0: I wish it was 1825, and we'd have a duel. I'd point it right, right between his eyes. Jesus, man.
1: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair, Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Let me choke us to the right Here I am,
2: stuck in the middle
1: with you I am Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with
2: From Pacifica with Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, and 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove, On 93FM WLRI in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, in Hawaii, on 88.5FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. On WGRN 94.1FM in Columbus, Ohio, 102.9FM WLPP in Palinville, New York, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And yep, streaming coast to coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, among others, Blanketing Planet... Earth 5 Days a Week I'm Brad Friedman your friendly investigative blogger journalist troublemaker muckraker and all around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com thank you very much for joining us today I want to get to a story here right at the right at the top of the show that I had actually hoped to, to do yesterday but we sort of had to put it off with uh, some some breaking news on our previous broadcast that's going to come up momentarily a little bit later uh, in our broadcast uh, the green news report and Dead Lizzie Doyen is back again. Oh, don't say yay. <laughs> Why not? You're just happy that uh, it's another Green News Report exactly. day, aren't you? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, with uh, and a good one, in fact, with with some good news, which never, ever, almost ever happens in the Green News Report, uh, including a sweeping uh, climate change law out here in that has just been passed uh, out here in California, which of course means absolute ruin for the Golden State. <laughs> We might as well just start collecting unemployment now. Turn off all the lights because the power is going to be shut down. You know how these things Everybody
3: should dress in burlap sacks. Yeah, yeah, might as well. It's a horror. It's a horror. So
2: we'll have news on that horror in the Green News Report. As well, (laughs) uh, Obama, uh, President Obama has created now the world's largest protected marine sanctuary. Yep. uh, Off of... Hawaii. Off of Hawaii. I won't ask you to pronounce the name of this new national uh, marine sanctuary. Thank you. can practice it uh, so you get it right in the Green News Report. But um, pretty cool. Uh, it, it will be huge. It will protect uh, a, a lot of the uh, ocean and the the animals that exist nowhere else in the world except for this area. Uh and of course that is something this uh, federal land grab it's he's a land grabber in this case I guess a ocean grabber, water yeah. grabber, a yeah, uh, yeah. coral reef grabber, I don't know. Uh but if it was up to Maine's governor Paul LePage, he would have President Barack Obama arrested and executed for that. Wow. Yeah, he he would. Now he hasn't said as much specifically about uh Barack Obama But he has said uh, similar things. Now, we have – and I'll give you an idea here. This is what I wanted to get into yesterday. We're going to get into it today because we have long been – I don't want to say, hey, we called it. We called it uh, on uh, Governor Paul LePage of Maine, but we did call it. Uh, For years now, I've been writing about him, describing him as – probably the dumbest and worst governor in U.S. history. And it was close for a while between him and Arizona's Republican Governor Jan Brewer. But now that she's out of office, boom, hands down, it is now Governor Paul LePage, the dumbest governor in the nation and maybe the worst governor in the nation's history. Been reporting on him for years. As early as uh, 2011, we took notice of Paul LePage. Uh, just after he took office and he ordered the removal of uh, of a mural from the state state's Department of Labor because it was too pro uniony or something, as we wrote back at the time, uh, that and other Tea Party ish behavior by that uh, then new governor in Maine resulted in a bunch of senators from his own party, a bunch of Republicans from his own party publicly saying, hey, do you mind? Can you tone it down a bit? They actually wrote an op-ed at the time, back in 2011, the Republican legislators to their new Republican governor saying, uh, pointing out a bunch of these incidents that took place shortly after Paula Page took office, uh, saying at the time in that op-ed, quote, were these isolated incidents, we would bite our collective tongues. But unfortunately, they are not isolated, but frequent. Therefore, we feel we must speak out. That was right after he took office. That was 2011. That was right after he took uh, his first term of office. In 2013, we highlighted the brain trust that is Paul LePage as he was actually celebrating the melting Arctic. Remember this, Desi Doyen? He was uh, on the premise that it had opened up the Northern Passage as a shipping lane for Maine. yes. Uh, And that
3: Maine would be perfectly poised to be a port for all of these, all this new traffic.
2: Yes. Never mind that at the time, uh, in addition to global warming, uh, not only opening up the northern passage through the Arctic, but it was also threatening the entirety of human civilization and continues to to this day. But... uh, it was already at that time posing a, an immediate danger to Maine's maple uh, syrup industry and to its ship. Uh, it's a uh, shrimping industry, among others. So he was celebrating this even while it was actually hurting Maine.
3: Oh, and the lobster industry, too.
2: Right. Exactly. He said at the time, uh, everybody looks at the negative effects of global warming. But with the ice melting, the northern passage has opened up he your, said, according to the Bangor Daily News at the time. And your whole
3: your food supply, you know, that's a secondary concern.
2: But the biggest clue, frankly, uh, for me, was also sort of environmentally related when it came to uh, uh, Paul LePage. Uh, this was in uh, April of 2013. He made a claim that the uh, the new wind turbine that had been set up at a, at a main university had produced like 680,000 kilowatt hours of clean electricity for the school in its very first year. It had Save the school. Remember, this is a guy, Paul LePage, a Republican, believes he's conservative, fiscally conservative. It ended up saving the school about $100,000 in uh, energy costs in that first year, not to mention the reduction of dangerous CO2 output. Uh, And Paul LePage made the claim publicly, and he meant this, that uh, that that wind turbine actually had a little electric motor that turns the blades. He said, I'm serious. Uh, this was when he was speaking with the Skohegan Area Chamber of Commerce that month. He said they have an electric motor so they can show people that wind power works. Unbelievable.
3: So he's a wind turbine truther.
2: Exactly. Uh, at the very least. I mean, trying to figure out what the hell is wrong with this guy Um A guy by the name of Mike Tipping actually uh, wrote a book called As Maine Went, Governor LePage and the Tea Party Takeover of Maine, trying to explain what had happened in Maine and uh, detailing how Paul LePage had actually been meeting about once a month, uh, reportedly for several hours each time uh, with a group of right wing sovereign citizen extremists which is what these guys are this is the sort of the base of uh, uh Donald Trump's support to be uh to be truthful these sovereign citizens um And so he was meeting with these guys and getting all kinds of uh, claims and false conspiracy theories from them, like wind turbines don't actually work. They're a big hoax. They actually have a motor in them to to make them work. At the time, the Portland Press Herald wrote a follow up article uh, about Mike Tipping's book and about, uh, you know, Maine being one of the first in the country to sort of go full tea party in there uh, after that uh, 2010 election where LePage was was elected and they wrote that um, in that follow-up article in, in response to the uh, to, to Mike Tippings book uh, that LePage's press secretary Adrian Bennett did not address why Paul LePage met with the uh, group of sovereign citizens eight times why a county sheriff was asked to look into their demands. Paul LePage asked this county sheriff to look into their demands uh, or, or why the governor's legal staff was asked to draft an opinion of the group's claims that Senate President Justin Alfond and House Speaker Mark Eaves should be arrested and executed. Wow, you thought I was joking about that comment I about did. about uh, Obama, uh, but so yeah, it's that insane and more. So, and I could go on and on about uh, how insane this is with Paul LePage uh, and the crazy, crazy things that he has done in his years as uh, as governor up in uh, up in Maine. But uh, it, it all may be a moot point soon. In a new interview now, Governor Paul LePage has said he may not even finish out his term as Maine governor. According to uh, uh, an interview, uh, he told Bangor, Maine radio station, uh, WVOM, I'm looking at all the options. I think some things I've been asked to do are beyond my ability. I'm not going to say that I'm not going to finish it. I'm not saying that I am going to finish it. If I've lost my ability to help Maine people, maybe it's time to move on. Uh, Now, this all comes in response to uh, the, the headlines that uh, Paul LePage made late last week a- after he left an explicit voicemail, and I mean really explicit, uh, for uh, Rep. Drew Gatine, who uh, Paul LePage had claimed had called him a racist. Now, Gatine says he never called him a racist, uh, but the governor insists that he did. He said, when I was called a racist, I just lost it, and uh, and and there is no excuse. And he left this profane message voicemail on drugatine's uh rep drugatine's Drew, Drew voicemail uh which is just incredible uh and it has led to all kinds of turmoil that uh, for all I know, uh, by the time we you hear this report, uh, Paula Page may have resigned. I don't know. I went back. I wanted to sort of put the story together about how we got to this point, point. Um, but uh, we and we don't usually do this, but Rachel Maddow on MSNBC late last week did such a good, as we were pulling clips together, I was like, you know what? She's pulled these clips from all of these things. Let's let her tell the story because, in fact... She did a great job telling the story chronologically, explaining how we got to this place. So we don't usually play a clip this long from uh, any one uh, source like this, but I want to do it. I'm going to let Rachel Maddow tell this story of how we got to this point, and then we can catch you up on where we are now. This is the story of the the nation's dumbest governor, perhaps in history, Paul LePage, uh, and how we got to this meltdown where Paul LePage could be resigning any second
1: the story of one state's Republican governor apparently just having a meltdown in public and, in one case, uh, on somebody's voicemail. Uh, and I, I, I will warn you that what we are about to play you here contains some uh, vile language on the part of the governor. I would like to talk to you
4: about your comments about my being a racist And you, I want to talk to you. I want you to prove that I'm a racist. I've spent my life helping black people, and you little son of a bitch, socialist You, I need you to this f***ing... I want you to record this and make it public because I am after you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. (laughs) It's always polite when you're calling somebody that to make sure you tidy things up with a polite... This is Maine Governor Paul LePage, who left that voicemail for a Maine state lawmaker. Uh, But if you want to know beyond that where this came from, uh, let's just do this chronologically for a second. This is by no means an exhaustive catalog of Governor Paul LePage and his controversies and fights and even his public swearing. That would take way too long. Uh, But in order to understand what's going on here, I think the easiest place to see this starting um, is here.
0: Guys of the name D-Money, Smoothie, Shifty, uh, these type of guys, that come from Connecticut, New York. They come up here, they sell their heroin, then they go back home. Incidentally, half the time they impregnate a young white girl before they leave.
1: Governor Paul LePage uh, speaking at a main town hall in January. Those comments led to some nationwide headlines about these racially charged remarks from the governor. Uh, and so the next day, Governor LePage called a press conference to offer this non-apology apology. apology.
0: Instead of saying, Maine women, I said, white women. If you go, and and I'm not gonna apologize to the Maine women for that. Because if you go to Maine, you will see that we're essentially 95% white. If you wanna make it racist, go right ahead, do whatever you want. I never said anything about white or black on traffickers. What are they, black? I don't know who they are, I just read the names.
1: Paul LePage insisting that he did not mean to imply that D-Money, Smoothie, and Shifty had any particular racial specificity. Uh, that explanation did not last long, though. The governor soon clarified that, yes, in fact, he was talking about black guys named D-Money, Smoothie, and Shifty.
0: I had to go screaming with talk. Top of my lungs about uh, uh, black dealers coming in and doing the things that they're doing to our state.
1: The top of his lungs, he had to go screaming about the black dealers impregnating the white the white girls of Maine. <clears throat> that was how Maine Governor Paula Page kicked off this year, 2016. And this current crisis that he finds himself in now, which tonight is leading to pretty widespread calls for his resignation. It's actually led to some public calls that he should get psychological help. Uh, This crisis that he's in tonight um, comes from this same issue area. Paul LePage once again going on a tear about how dangerous, uh, basically how dangerous he finds black people on the basis of their race. This Wednesday at a town hall in the town of North Berwick, Maine. Uh, Governor LePage informed the audience that, quote, I've been collecting every single drug dealer who has been arrested in our state. I will tell you that 90 plus percent of those pictures in my book, and it's a three ringed binder, are black and Hispanic people. It's Paul Page this week announcing that he has a binder that he's collecting, a binder full of black and Hispanic people. And ever since he revealed the existence of this binder and started talking about its racial composition, a lot of people have expressed interest in seeing that binder. We are one of, I'm sure, many other news outlets that have now put in a request to see Paul LePage's secret race binder that explains all crime in Maine. Even though the governor clearly started this, the pressure that has resulted from the news coverage of that pronouncement from him, uh, it does seem to be getting to him.
0: Let me tell you something. Black people come up the highway and they kill Mainers. You ought to look into that. Governor, we're not trying to get into a battle. We
2: just there want to see this. you
1: stu- bunch of people. You make me so sick. It's him talking to State House reporters who were questioning him about his remarks. That was yesterday. And since then, it has been, Katie, bar the door. It's been a, a series of almost unbelievable outbursts, not just you know one and then I'm sorry, or even one and I'm not sorry, but one thing and then another thing and another thing and another thing from this governor who really does appear to be melting down. Again, to give it to you chronologically, yesterday morning, Governor Paul LePage yells at those reporters who were asking him about his three ring binder comments uh, from the town hall earlier this week. Then he storms off after that. And that's when he called this state legislator who he had heard uh, described him as racist. And that's when he left this expletive-laced voicemail for him that we just played a moment ago. Then after that, Paul LePage decided he wasn't done talking about this. And he called reporters into his office for a follow-up discussion where he volunteered that he would actually like to kill that legislator.
0: I wish it was 1825 and we'd have a duel. That's how angry I am. And I bet, and I wouldn't put my gun in the air, guarantee you. I would not be uh, Hamilton. I'd point it right, right between his eyes.
1: Again, the governor called this meeting with reporters because he wanted to get this off his chest. So he tells them he wants to kill this legislator. Wishes he could just take a gun, point it right between his eyes and kill him. And during that same discussion with reporters, Governor Page volunteered to reporters that he had left this legislator a voicemail message and at that point nobody other than the legislator knew it but he's talking to reporters about it the reporters decide they'd like to hear it the governor told them it exists the portland press herald filed a freedom of access act request to get the phone message they got the phone message they posted it online last night and so then everybody got to hear it and again i need to warn you that this recording contains the governor's vile language
4: this is a good team. This is Governor Paul Richard LePage. I would like to talk to you about your comments about my being a racist you sucker. And you, I want to talk to you. You want? I want you to prove that I'm a racist. I've spent my life helping black people, and you little son of a bitch socialist sucker. You? I need you to this freaking I want you to.
1: Record this and make it public because I am after you. Thank you. So that was last night that that was made public. For the record, um, the legislator who Paula Page is uh, so angry with this and is swearing at in this voicemail says that he never called Governor LePage racist. He says that he, he said that Governor LePage's racially charged comments on the drug problem in Maine were not helpful toward finding a real solution to the problem. That is what caused this response from the governor. Uh, Today, Paul LePage went back to the press and decided to keep talking about this. He explained to reporters today that he's not apologizing for anything he's done or said. He wants you to know who the people of Maine should think of as the enemy at this point. Like, Like in a war, the people you shoot, he wants to be very clear about that.
0: When you go to war, if you know the enemy, the enemy dresses in red and you dress in blue, you shoot. At red, don't you? Ken, you've you've been in uniform. You shoot at the enemy. You try to identify the enemy. And the enemy right now, the overwhelming majority of people coming in are people of color or people of Hispanic origin.
1: So we know who the enemy is, right? You can see them by their color. In the midst of all this... The state of Maine sort of reeling um, to the point where the Portland Press-Herald has now written an editorial uh, that does not address the governor. It actually is an editorial addressed to the United States of America, apologizing to the rest of the country for Paul LePage, apologizing for electing and then reelecting, quote, a governor who is unfit for high office. Now, in the midst of what is going on in Maine, I think less noticed is the fact that Paul LePage did actually offer to resign as governor. In his most recent tirade to the press this afternoon, it was a conditional offer to resign, but he did make an offer.
0: The fact of the matter is, I would like, I will resign if Gatine resigns. Everybody wants me to resign. How about them? How about the corrupt people in this building? Gatine's not enough. Come to think of it, I'll give you a list. If they all resign and offer never to run again, I will resign.
1: First of all, this one legislator who he screamed at, if that guy resigns, then Paul LePage will resign. Now, come to think of it, that's not enough. He's going to come up with a list of all the other people who have to resign, and then he'll... It does seem like a lot of people in Maine do want Paul LePage to resign right now. You know, in the middle of one of his earlier controversies, Governor LePage previously said that he would resign as governor if enough regular people in Maine wrote to him and asked him to resign... You might remember we filed a Freedom of Access Act request for those letters to Paul LePage, asking him how many letters he got when he said he would resign if he got enough letters. We actually found that the people of Maine were very enthusiastic about asking him to resign. There were tons and tons and tons of these letters. So I think if he got that many letters and he still didn't resign, I think there's no reason to take him at his word that he will go, even if these Democratic legislators go. Uh, But Democratic legislators are now explicitly uh, asking him to quit. They're calling for him to resign the governorship and they're also calling for him to get some help.
4: It is time for a political intervention with Governor LePage and a political intervention means that our sensible and Republican our sensible and thoughtful Republican friends come together with us to do one of two things. To either make sure that Governor LePage gets the help that he needs, because this kind of behavior is not normal behavior. It is not just not what we expect of our chief executive or governor, it's also not what we expect of any human being who is functioning, functioning normally in society. So we expect them to come together with us to either get him the help that he needs
1: or to remove him from office. Democratic system majority leader there asking for Republicans to join with Democrats, uh, not just in, uh, I guess, calling the governor out for what he's doing, but specifically saying that uh, they want Governor Page to get the help that he needs. Uh, and if he can't get the help and the needs to, that, that they need to get him out of office, either by encouraging him to quit or by removing him from office. I will tell you, the uh, state legislator who the governor said all those things to who we, that we had to bleep, he's from Westbrook, Maine. His name is Representative Drew Gatine. Uh, the city of Westbrook, Maine, has now written a public letter uh, to the people of Maine talking about Governor LePage humiliating himself in the office of the governor. They say, LePage's voicemail to Representative Gatine is so outrageous, it is beyond our ability to know how to respond. His threat to want to shoot him between the eyes would be reprehensible coming from anybody, but from the individual holding the position of governor of our state. That's insanity.
2: Insanity, indeed. That was Rachel Maddow late last week talking about uh, Paul LePage, who we have have been covering, and I'm glad to see that it's finally getting some national notice, because we've been covering Paul LePage for I don't know how many years and his insanity. There he is uh, late last week, uh, Rachel Maddow on MSNBC, pulling all of the uh, all the chronological history together on this latest incident that is leading to this meltdown where the governor is now wishing he could shoot a state legislator in the head. And, oh, he's not racist in the same way, I guess, that Donald Trump is not racist. He just thinks, uh, you know, that, that as Trump does, uh, that they're, they're all black people are living in poverty and they live in war zones and the majority are drug dealers with no job, etc. Um, By the way, I guess all the folks buying all of that heroin in Maine the white ones up there in Maine, I guess they have no responsibility in that epidemic at all. It's all, you know, smoothie and shifty driving up from New York and Connecticut to, to sell it to them and to impregnate the white women while they're there. Uh, you heard uh, that Democratic legislator calling for a political intervention. Well, uh, it seems like there now has been one. The The pressure has obviously has not let up since the series of events last week. Uh, and in fact, as I noted at the at the top, Paula Page is now talking more and more about resigning as his mental state seems to be getting worse and worse. Earlier this week, he announced that he would be holding a town hall in Westbrook, Maine, which is the town represented by uh, um, uh, Representative Drew Gatine, the one who uh, he had left that profane voice message for, uh, demanding that Gatine join him at this Westbrook town hall. And that has now apparently led to an intervention, finally, from the Republican state legislators in Maine. This was on Monday night, after which uh, they had a talk with him. They had a sit down with him. We don't yet, I don't think, know what was actually said there. But after they came out, they gave a statement to the press sort of hinting at what they may have told him that he, you know what, might want to get some help. Uh, and, uh, and the media also asked him whether uh, Westbrook, whether that Westbrook town hall that the governor had insisted was going to happen on Wednesday, that he insisted uh, Drew Gatine joined him for, whether that was actually going to happen. Uh, they offered their assessment. Uh, they thought that this town hall would probably be uh, called off in, in the wake of this. Here was uh, their response after speaking with uh, the governor.
4: I don't think he was totally shocked that, uh, that we're concerned about what's going on. And I, I think we were pretty clear in our, you know, disappointment and expectation for um, some changes. And uh, that's, again, he's going to talk to some folks that he, he trusts, that he knows, He'll reach out to, to some folks and talk to his family, and then uh, we'll have another conversation.
3: What are your thoughts on his town hall meeting schedule for Wednesday in Westboro?
4: I don't know if he'll follow through and have that or, you know, I mean, I think the reality is that means going to be canceled.
2: So the reality is that it's going to be canceled because whatever the hell he's going through, whatever the hell Paula Page is going through, uh, <laughs> this town hall is not in the offing. At least that's what these Republicans who are stepping in. And trying to save the day and talk this guy off the ledge. Now, mind you, uh, Matto had uh, cited this uh, this editorial board, this op ed uh, from the editorial board at the Portland Press Herald, which reads, Dear America, Maine here. Please forgive us. We made a terrible mistake. We managed to elect and reelect a governor who is unfit for high office. He has a gruff exterior and a blunt way of talking that some of us find refreshing, but he has shown again and again that he governs governs by grudge and uses his power to beat up on people who cannot fight back. They conclude by saying, as a famous Mainer once said, quote, rejecting the conventions of political correction, correctness is different from showing complete disregard for common decency. Those words were from Senator Susan Collins of Maine in her denouncement of Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump. Like Trump, the paper says, LePage is a repeat offender. It would be nice to think that LePage would reflect on what he says and learn from these incidents, but he uh, he appears to be completely incapable of change, they say. He will probably blame the media for any embarrassment that he suffers, On the bright side, America, they write, LePage isn't going to be governor forever. And when his successor takes office in 2019, Mainers of all political parties will have to work together to fix the damage he has done to our reputation. Until then, please accept our apology. We'll try to not do it again. But here's the thing. None of this is new in regard to Paul LePage. As I said, we've been reporting it for years. We reported a lot in 2014 when he was up for re-election. He had been out of his mind for years by then, as we noted uh, you know, at the top of the show. So how did he get elected in the first place in 2010? Well, it was a big Tea Party year that year, obviously. But after all the madness of his first term, how can it be that the candidate... Was reelected that otherwise sensible folks in Maine asked for a second helping of this guy back in 2014. The answer third parties. Paula Page became the governor in 2010 with just 37.4% of the vote because his opposition was split by two different candidates. And then again in 2014, he won his second term by just 37.6% of the vote. So the vast majority of Mainers are, in fact, sensible, and they did, in fact, vote against Paul LePage. But his opposition was split across uh, two different voters. And so that is a danger that can be posed by third parties. It's something to think about, by the way, when deciding who you might want to vote for this year in November in the presidential election or in any other elections. We don't tell people who to vote for or who did not vote for. Uh, But we do like you to know the facts when you cast a vote and what the price or the cost of that vote could possibly be. So with that danger in mind and all that we now know about Paul LePage, who may, for all I know, actually resign uh, finally up in Maine before you even hear these words. He could be out. I don't know. Or he could have a complete nervous breakdown. But after all of this earlier this month, just at the beginning of August, Donald Trump, who had uh, been endorsed by Paul LePage, he was campaigning in Maine for some reason. Donald Trump was up there. He was asked by the Portland Press-Herald about whether he is considering Paul LePage for a position in his cabinet if he wins the presidency. (laughs) Mind you, that was this month. This was in August. After all of this other stuff that we've, we've been talking about this whole show, after all of these years of craziness from Paul LePage... Here's the Press Herald asking Donald Trump uh, if uh, Paul LePage is going to come on board. Speaking of
4: Governor LePage, do you foresee uh, any uh, space in your cabinet for him?
0: And if so, what what would you like him to do? Well, I'll tell you what. I don't know that he would want that, but uh, he is a very talented guy. He's also a great person. He's a tremendous person. And uh, if he were... if he were available, I would certainly find something for Paul because he's really he's done a great job up here. He's he's not only popular but he's done an unbelievable job. So I would certainly say that he would be a candidate.
2: He's he's popular. Popular? He's done an v- unbelievable job for the state well, of Maine. Very talented. What guy. What he has
3: done is frankly unbelievable. Yeah, well,
2: you're right. You're right. Good point. It is unbelievable. That unbelievableness, by the way, uh, I- includes. Uh, trying to veto dozens and dozens of bills that were sent to him by the state legislature. Uh, but he got the veto wrong. He figured if he didn't sign it, then that would be an automatic veto. That was not the case. What it meant was those bills automatically passed. So other than that, as Trump says, he's a very talented guy. He's a great person, uh tremendous person. He's popular. He's not so popular.
3: Well, and also this, you know, it's funny and it's crazy and it's nutty, but... It does have actual real-world impacts on real people. It hurts real people. One of the other things that he vetoed was Medicaid expansion. Mm-hmm. He also vetoed a bill that would have increased access to a heroin overdose antidote. Remember he said, "Oh, they're just going to they're right. just going to overdose again and die." So
2: So why give a them fashion, a drug the that point? will save their lives? If they're just going to die again or overdose again.
3: Just let them die now. Yeah.
2: I I mean, other than that, very talented, great guy, tremendous person doing an unbelievable job, a great job. And he should be. He may be in Donald Trump's cabinet if Donald Trump is elected. Uh, Marty Longman over at Washington Monthly said that if Paula Page isn't a racist, then we should just take that word and put it in mothballs. I think he makes a good point. But he says it doesn't surprise me that Trump wants to find a job for LePage in his administration. The Senate, no matter who controls it, would never confirm LePage to even a position of deputy undersecretary of pooper scooping. I'm not sure that's true. I think the Senate might. But uh, he goes on to say the important point is Donald Trump's total lack of moral compass. He says that he doesn't want the support of white supremacists and that his campaign is all about love. But he wants to put Paul LePage in an important position within his administration. Trump says he loves, quote, the blacks, but he wants to empower a guy, Paul LePage, who says that President Obama, quote, hates white people. Has refused to participate in Martin Luther King Day, has told the NAACP to, quote, kiss his ass He refers to uh, young blacks as D-money, smoothie and shifty and claims they only come to his state to sling heroin and impregnate Maine's white girls. So the question, Marty Longman says, is would Paula Page make a good secretary of state for Donald Trump or would he be better suited for, say, running the Department of Housing and Urban Development? That's what's going on in Maine with the nation's dumbest governor and again who knows if he's still in that job by the time you hear this report. But it's just incredible, at least to me, incredible he was elected in the first place. Even more incredible that he was elected for a second term. Good luck, Maine. Quick break, and we're back with more broadcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> Yes, crazy, crazy right-wing loons like Paul page and like Donald Trump can win elections. Just keep that in mind. Paul Page won twice. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, well, where are we here? I've, I've completely lost my place. That's how crazy this is. Yes, Apple. Apple uh, must pay up to $4.5 billion in back taxes to Ireland, that uh, today the Euro- European Union officials have announced on uh, on Tuesday morning, they're ordering the company to pay fourteen and a half billion dollars. That's uh, technically about thirteen billion euros in uh, in back taxes plus interest, uh, another six billion euros to the government of Ireland. Uh, and I'm not going to get into this. A lot of people are covering this today. I'm not going to get into the stories as to why, but essentially this is to uh, the European Union has a commission to make sure that all of the members of the uh, European Union don't compete with each other by offering you know, lower taxes than the next state over and making it impossible for, uh, for the states to compete. Well, European authorities have now clamped down on a special deal according to Rick Newman at Yahoo News, uh, between Apple and the Irish tax authorities, saying the arrangement uniquely favors Apple and is unavailable to other companies, nixing the deal, which lowered the taxes on much of Apple's foreign income to virtually nothing. This will now force Apple to pay taxes in Ireland at the higher rate that other companies pay, about $14.5 billion for the past 10 years of unpaid taxes, plus interest. But... Newman uh, notes, Apple may get reimbursed for all of that by an unlikely benefactor, the U.S. taxpayer. That's right. Stuart Gibson, a former government tax official who's now the editor of Tax Notes International, says that it's extremely possible the U.S. taxpayer will have to pay this bill because for every dollar in tax that Apple has to repay in Ireland, they get to reduce their U.S. tax bill by one dollar. So every dollar that goes uh, to a foreign tax, the way our tax uh, laws are currently written in this country, in the U.S., every dollar in foreign tax that you pay means you can uh, deduct it from your own taxes here, from your domestic taxes in the U.S. So, um, you know, a lot of I've heard a lot of people out there who are happy because Apple has been a tax dodger. Now they're going to have to pay $14.5 billion. Okay, well, they're going to pay it. To Ireland, that means it's going to be $14.5 billion less that they might have otherwise paid uh, in U.S. taxes. Apple and Ireland have both said they plan to appeal the Commission's, the European uh, uh, Commission's ruling. One big question is whether the European Commission, which is part of the European Union, can overrule a sovereign nation's right to set its own tax policy. And even the U.S. government apparently opposes the Commission's intervention on tax issues. They are arguing that it complicates negotiations between countries about how to set reciprocal tax policies. A White House spokesman recently pointed out that taxpayers could get stuck footing the bill if the European Commission's ruling stands. So that's something to keep in mind. In the meantime, when it comes to uh, tax law, this is a story I've been trying to get to for a while um, from up in Colorado because I love this story. I don't even know what to actually uh, make of it. I don't know if it's it's good or bad, um, but it will nicely transition uh, into the green news coming up in our next block. Okay, because it has to do with your friends Desi Doyen, the coal companies. Oh, in this okay. case, uh, Peabody Coal, uh, which has uh, which is now in bankruptcy, uh, and uh, they are uh, well. Here we go uh, from the Denver Post. This was uh, earlier in the month. Route County Treasurer Treasurer Britta Horn had rejected checks for $1.7 million in overdue property taxes from the bankrupt coal company Peabody Energy because they fell short of the amount due. And then she took money out of her own pocket for a public relations effort to assure taxpayers that the company would get no special treatment. Peabody which filed for bankruptcy in April sent two checks totaling one million seven hundred ninety eight thousand dollars five hundred and seven dollars and thirty eight cents a figure that did not include more than ninety one thousand dollars in interests and in interest and fees, so they sent one point seven million, but they didn't spend send ninety one thousand, so she rejected the check entirely in a letter that arrived. With the checks, Peabody suggested that the county could pursue additional charges through an amended claim in bankruptcy court.
3: So in other words, they said, oh, you want that payment? You can take us to court. Well, that's right.
2: Uh, And a a frustrated uh, treasurer, uh, Britta Horn, uh, said that uh, she could not accept less than the amount that was actually owed. She mailed the checks back to Peabody, and then through a uh, private public relations firm, she issued a news release explaining why she did it, explaining the actions and the reasons behind it. She wrote, "...for a county treasurer to cut deals for some taxpayers while making others pay their full amounts, that would be unfair, that would erode the public trust." She said, by law, if my, offer, if my office can't offer a tax break to a single mom who worries about feeding her children, I'm not going to offer one to a multinational corporation that just asked the bankruptcy court to pay its executives $12 million in bonuses. Yep. She was further frustrated, she said, by news that Peabody had uh, proposed setting aside more than $16 million for its executive bonuses. Asked about her unusual public relations move to use her own money to get this word out, she explained that Route County doesn't have a public information officer to handle such matters. She said she felt strongly enough about the importance of keeping county taxpayers abreast of the situation to spend her own money for communications help. She said all other elected officials and all the other people want to know what's going on. I just want to make sure that everybody knew that we're treating them the same. I can't move that needle for Peabody and they shouldn't be asking for it. You like that? Story? Yeah, good for her. I, I agree. Yeah, I think so. Good for her. The company responded to her actions with a prepared statement. They told the uh, They told the Denver Post, Peabody sent a $1.8 million property tax to Route County and has done everything we can to pay these taxes for the benefit of the community based on what the court has allowed. Our communication to the county indicated that our payment would fulfill our tax obligation... But it does not require the county to waive its claim for interest or penalties. We've been pleased to resolve the payment process in most jurisdictions where we operated. So basically, uh, the company went on to say that it has returned. um, uh, I'm sorry, Horn went on to say that she has returned some 287 checks so far this year because they failed to include uh, interest and fees. She said, I take care of everybody in Route County. I don't pick winners and losers. It would be like assessors assessing them differently because they're bigger landowners. They are assured, they are assessed the same way as everybody else. We have to keep the public trust in play and make sure that we treat everybody the same. So basically, Route County is saying, hey, here's what we think uh, we owe. And we we admit that maybe there's a little bit more we owe. But you have to go to court to get it. You actually right. have to pay Peabody money. that's what Peabody is
3: telling the county. Exactly. Yeah. You can go get in line behind all the other creditors for mm-hmm. our bankruptcy, and you can then sue us for this—the uh, fines of what we didn't pay already.
2: Exactly. Spend as much money in court over months and years trying to get this extra ninety-one thousand uh, uh, dollars. Is that what it was, and yeah, ninety-one thousand dollars in interest and fees. Or you can take our generous offer of one point eight million, and we'll go away. Now, the failure to pay uh, property tax on time has uh, impacted, at least partially, uh, the public schools. South Route County School District needed $1 million. They needed a million-dollar bailout from the Colorado Board of Education Contingency Reserve Fund. To help uh, to help fill a gap that they had in the local schools while they've been waiting for Peabody to pay their uh, to pay their money. And that emergency funding has now drained the state board's uh, reserve fund.
3: So it has cascading consequences for school children all across Colorado.
2: Yeah. But, you know, if you've got a problem with that, go to court and you can try to get the rest of the money that we owe you. Horn said uh, in her release that this really boils down to whether the county treats everyone equally when it comes to tax collection or whether our larger and more politically connected taxpayers get special discounts and are held to a different standard of conduct. Good for her.
3: Yeah, definitely good, good for, for Route
2: County Treasurer Britta Horn.
3: And, you know, this is part of this larger move in the coal industry for these really huge coal companies to declare bankruptcy as a technique to mm-hmm. shed obligations that they don't want anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they can legally declare bankruptcy. They can legally spin off a uh, their their pension obligations to a new subsidiary and let that one com- uh, mm-hmm. declare bankruptcy. And then they don't have to pay because they can get the bankruptcy court to agree that they are Are no longer liable for uh, retired Mm -hmm. health care, retired health care for minors, uh, their pensions, for current health care, for current minors. You know, this is this is a a perfectly legal way to get out of their obligations.
2: And at the same time, while they're getting rid of those pensions for the actual minors. Uh, they 're setting aside sixteen million dollars for executive bonuses within exactly. the same package right uh, so which got, you know makes you wonder in states like West virginia we 've talked with Bob Kincaid on this uh, program out of West Virginia and who you know who has spelled out a lot of what you just described what the uh, the coal companies are now doing. It makes you wonder what these miners are thinking when they get in line and they support. When they support these coal companies who are going to just screw them, who are just going to screw them over. Now, Hillary Clinton, uh, like her or not, she has been proposing throughout the entire uh, primary process uh, spending millions of billions of dollars. Billions. Yeah. A
3: $30 billion policy at this point is what she's proposed to mm-hmm. help with a just transition, as the campaign calls it, for the coal country.
2: To find new jobs Economic for these development, right.
3: education training, new jobs, uh, helping bridge the gap with their pensions, a, a, a number of things. So
2: these miners, these, these, these coal miners, when, are, when they're out there voting against... Hillary Clinton voting for Donald Trump or what you know whatever they imagine they are doing, they are voting against their own interest because I'll tell you what coal ain't yet dead, but it is going to be dead soon and so if these coal miners want to do the best for their for themselves and for their families. They will start looking at these alternate plans. I know they've been doing it there for hundreds of years, uh, but if they want to survive, uh, you know, we are moving forward, unfortunately, with or without them. It would be nice if it was with them. It would be nice if some of these folks stopped voting against their own best interests. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're back with the Green News Report and more. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. All right, I want to get straight into our uh, latest Green News report because, A, it's got some good news and maybe it'll <laughs> cheer us up. And, B, I've got a, a quick follow-up that I want to see if we have time for it after the end. So let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. You asked what the,
4: the issue is. Mm-hmm. There's too many to, to
3: list. The Standing Rock Sioux Tribe takes a stand against massive new oil pipeline.
2: Environmentalist lawmakers and oil and gas companies fought tooth and nail over this one. In the end, Governor Jerry Brown got his way.
3: California passes most sweeping climate change law yet. Evacuations in West Virginia after leak of deadly chlorine gas. Plus... Obama creates the world's largest protected marine sanctuary.
2: All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And
3: I'm Desi Doyen.
2: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment.
1: We didn't cover this story about the floods until it became political either.
2: I told you Fox News was going to go down the tubes as soon as Roger Ailes left, admitting an error on air. What the Fox? This is your Green News Report. Okay, Dizzy Doyen, this fight against the Dakota Access Pipeline, it's uh, sort of becoming the new Keystone XL Pipeline fight, it seems, up in North Dakota.
3: Oh, yes, it most certainly is. Up in North Dakota, thousands of Native Americans and others have gathered in peaceful protest to support the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe in an attempt to stop construction of the $4 billion Dakota Access Pipeline because it threatens ancient sacred sites and will cross the Missouri River just upriver of their reservation where any spill would contaminate their primary water supply. In an extended interview on the broadcast, Standing Rock Sioux Chairman David Archambeau called the pipeline an unacceptable threat. We
0: have to look after the kids that are not even here yet. Mm. So what we're really doing is we're talking for our ancestors who are no longer here and can't speak, and we're talking for those children who are not even born yet from our nation.
3: The tribe is also suing the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers for lack of meaningful consultation. The Corps had required the pipeline route to be moved away from the city of Bismarck's water supply, but approved it near the Standing Rock Sioux water supply because a spill there would impact fewer people.
2: Yeah, just a few Indians. What do they care?
3: The tribe has asked a federal judge to approve an injunction to stop construction on the pipeline. In West Virginia, a leak of toxic chlorine gas on Saturday forced the evacuation of two communities after a bright green cloud of the deadly gas leaked from a rail car at the Axial chemical plant located nearby. Two employees and five residents required medical treatment. No cause has been determined yet, but the Charleston Gazette reports that the Axial chemical plant has a history of significant safety problems, including an incident in 2014 in which an employee was killed. In California, a major victory for climate action. After a very tough fight, the state legislature passed a major expansion to California's landmark climate law. The original 2006 law required the state to cut emissions down to 1990 levels. It's worked so well that California's already met that target. The law was set to expire in 2020, so instead, the state legislature's Democratic majority extended the law to 2030 and increased the goal, with a new, more ambitious target of lowering emissions to 40 percent below 1990 levels by 2030. Governor Jerry Brown called it a major victory. There are a
4: lot of... Trump inspired acolytes that even walked the halls of this state capital. But they have been vanquished and vanquished in a very solid way because the people standing behind them. So bring it on, we'll have more battles and we'll have more victories.
2: Of course, by victories, Jerry Brown means putting people out of work and crippling the economy, like we have out here in California. Oh wait where we've got a surplus and we've got more jobs than ever, and uh, never mind.
3: The California state legislature also passed a joint resolution urging the federal government to pass a revenue-neutral carbon tax requiring polluters to pay for the cost of their pollution with 100% of the revenue returned to households. Probably won't see any of that anytime soon in Congress.
2: The U.S. Congress? Yes. No, we won't.
3: But for the record, The Guardian reports that studies of similar carbon tax mechanisms in other countries have shown that a price on carbon emissions has a modest, beneficial impact on their economies. That's
2: a foreign newspaper. They don't read those in Congress.
3: Finally, some more good news. In Iowa, the State Utilities Board has approved a wind turbine project that it says will be the nation's largest wind energy project. And in Hawaii, on the heels of designating the nation's newest national monument in Maine, President Obama over the weekend also created the largest ocean sanctuary in the world. Off the northwestern coast of the Hawaiian Islands, he expanded the existing Papahanaumokuakea Marine National Monument to four times its size, protecting <laughs> half a million square miles of land and sea and prohibiting all commercial extraction activities. I'm just
2: impressed you were able to say that name. Me too. For much more on those stories and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. From BradBlog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And
3: I'm Desi Doyen.
2: And this has been your Green News Report.
1: Somewhere beyond the sea,
3: somewhere waiting for me.
2: And, you know, Desi, uh, just to, I'm not going to make you say the name of that Hawaiian park again. Unless you want to Thank try. You, you no. want to try? You no. don't? Okay. You got it right the first time. So, uh, the other park that you mentioned up in Maine, just to sort of bring the entire show here full circle, that's nearly 88,000 acres, and it was a gift. It was donated along with a $40 million endowment so that that part of Maine's pristine North Woods could be protected forever as a, as a national park. The Katahdin, is that how you say it? Yes. Katahdin uh, Woods and Waters National Monument that. Barack obama has just declared under the antiquities act to be a national monument but the people of maine at least those who live around there uh, according to a report in the washington post earlier this year did not want it at least some of them they were did. divided about they were it. divided about this yeah it, this was a gift from roxanne quimby the wealthy co-founder of burt's bees she's been trying for more than a decade to give away this land and this money up in uh, an area of New England, the paper rights where shuttered paper mills have led to crippling unemployment, a shrinking population, and where distrust of the federal government runs as deep as the rivers and streams. These are the kind of people who uh, elected... Paul LePage as uh, as main governor. We don't need you here. One man at a packed public meeting last week shouted at National Park Service Director Jonathan Jarvis. So this fight has going on forever as this woman was trying to give away her land and give $40 million that would go into the essentially into the community there. It's been described as a once in a century gift. But this goes all the way back to the two thousands when the, the, this money that uh, and this land from this uh, woman Quimby from the uh, flush from the success of Burt's Bees, the skincare company famous for its lip balm, she had been acquiring these huge swaths of land near the uh, the state's highest peak, Katahdin, uh, and the uh, northern terminus of the Appalachian Trail. The Katahdin Area Chamber of Commerce endorsed the proposal. The Bangor Daily News backed it, saying the region needs new life.
3: Oh, yeah, the the tourism industry brings in billions of dollars every year.
2: This would be an economic boom unique to this nation. It's printing money, one man said at one of the local gatherings, while another said this is an insult to the people of Maine. It looks like a backroom deal. I regard this as nothing less than a hostile takeover of our land. Them's Paul LePage's people, I guess uh, Looking a gift horse in the mouth My thanks to our producer Desi Doyen And uh, to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us If you missed any portion of today's show Download it for free at bradblog.com I think Paul LePage would uh, would appreciate that You can drop me email on bradcast at bradblog.com You can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the TheBradBlog And for now, that is it Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman Good luck, Maine. Good luck, world.